Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Alliance Church in Lexington, Kentucky. The sermon you're about to hear, What Comes Next, was preached by our lead pastor, Paul Smith, on Romans 11 and 12. It was recorded on February 19th, 2023, and is part of our series, Romans, Gripped by the Gospel. I'm going to give you a moment just to quiet your hearts. Not for just for the taking up space, but just we know that Jesus speaks through the worship of his people, but he also speaks gently. To you who are tired, he says, come. To all who are thirsty, come to the waters and drink. To all who are hungry, come to the bread of life. And you will find that which is a delight to your soul. Jesus, we thank you for your tender mercies to us. Now your kindness draws us to repentance. Holy Spirit, teach us what we do not know. Christ, do in us, which is heal the wounds in us that we have that no one sees. And Father, do in us that which we cannot do for ourselves, which is um, transform our lives into the person and the work of Jesus. And the church said together, amen. by now you have seen more than one clip of all that's going on down at um, Asbury University and it truly is and I've been down there probably six to seven days in a row it truly is um, an outpouring of God's spirit I don't say that flippantly and I so desire as the light come lights come up to guard the purity of what's going on Um, but we truly believe that um, God is calling us to join with him in this work. Um, I've seen things down there that 27 years of ministry, I've seen things that it's no explanation except God. And we all have different degrees of how we're leaning into this, but we do know that um, there's one desire that God has for all of us is for all of us to experience everything that he has for us. I've asked um, Rachel Ferguson to join with us this morning and just give us a brief 
a glimpse into, she's a college student at Asbury, of what's going on in her soul and her life and how we can join with, uh, um, with in prayer um, the work of God of what he's doing down there. So Rachel. Yeah, hi. So like, like you said, my name is Rachel. I have a stutter, so that's my gift to you this morning. Um, I wanted to share this verse before I share a little bit about my heart, but uh, it's the last verse in John, John 21, 25. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Um, I've seen his heart in so many ways since this revival started. It's day 12. That's crazy. Um, and one thing that I have come to realize is just how finite I am. Um, no one ever tells you going into a revival that like, yeah, you're going to want to be there forever, but also you need to make time to sleep. You need to make time to eat. You need to make time to take care of yourself. Um, and I shared my testimony in Hughes on Sunday, and that was a huge victory for me because I let go of a lot of things that I'd been holding on to for a couple of years. Um, and I was pouring out and singing on stage. And uh, m Monday and Tuesday of this week, I was exhausted. And I, you know, I wanted to be in Hughes, and I was so frustrated that I couldn't because I just didn't have the energy. And the Lord was just saying, come away with me. Come be with me. Right now, I, I, I just want it to be you and me. And I was just like, but Lord, there's so much I can do. I can pray. I can sing. I can do all these things. And he's just like, no, like, you're tired. You need to come away and be with me. And that was one of the things that gave me peace about that was knowing that the source of all of that in Hughes, um, all of the craziness, all of the goodness, all of everything that was happening, the source of all that was inside of me, and I take that with me wherever I go. Mm -hmm. So I'm never going to miss out on anything that he has to offer me, um, whether I'm in Hughes, whether I'm by myself, um, whether I'm with my friends, whatever I'm doing, I'm not going to miss out because he's inside of me and he will use me and he will give me peace. Um, so yeah, so I want that for you all and I want to pray that over you all um, that you experience him in a new way um, and that you know that you carry him wherever you go. So if I could just pray that. Sure, yeah. Lord, I just pray for all these people. I thank you for blessing them. I thank you that we get to gather here and to sing your praises and to hear your word. And I just want to speak Jesus over all these people. Um, I pray that you would give rest for their souls. That you would strengthen them, give them a boldness. That they would continue to share about you wherever they go. That they would never be able to stop talking about you. Because you're beautiful, Lord, and you give us belonging. You give us purpose. We love you and we need you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Thanks, Rachel. Thank you so much. And uh, um, I don't bring Rachel up or show the video or talk about that to capitalize on anything God is doing, as I said, but just to join with him in his work. Um, we have been praying for something like this for so long. And by prayer, calling out for God to move is not a pipe dream. It's not wishful thinking. And I've been down there and I've prayed with people that are broken and confessing sin. And they're calling out to God. 
and they're repenting and God is moving and we see in scripture that God dwells in the most high and he dwells in the contrite of heart. Why those two places? Because those are the two places that acknowledge him as God. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know, I'm hungry or I have to repent or I need to just lay down or I have to call out for a loved one and cry out for a loved one. Um, We want to join in God's work. As written today, when God pours out his spirit, it's not so much to be talked about and analyzed, but we are to stand in awe and submit to the same spirit that is working here that is working there. And it truly is people broken before the Lord allows the Lord to move. Um, One of the things that was written is by Dr. Kenlog, give me one divine moment where God acts. And that moment is far superior to all the human efforts of man throughout the century. And we believe that God is working. But we know from the book of Acts and we know from church history that there are times like this where God breaks in and answers prayers, but in a particular place, but we know that this will come to an end there. But it's supposed to spread out and move to all the places that God desires. You see, it's supposed to start in the heart of the individual then go to the home of the individual because who you are is home, at home is who you truly are. And then it's supposed to go to churches and then it's supposed to go to the world because God loves the world. And I went from Hughes Auditorium to Walmart. It seems my car just automatically drives there. I don't know why. (laughs) And I said, God, you love these people here as much as you love the people down there. Timothy Tennant has said this, we love the mountaintop experiences, but we also know that that it must be lived out in all the normal rhythms of life. We have to live into this desperation for God to do what we cannot do. We will know that revival has truly come to us when we are changed to live more like him at work, study, worship, and witness. And if you're part of the church, not just FHE, but Christ Church, our opportunity is not just to observe, but to receive the baton and say, God, do it amongst us. You were part of Christ Church for just a time as this. The movement of God does not replace the extraordinary, as it was written, does not replace the ordinary spiritual disciplines of everyday life, but fuels those ordinary disciplines of everyday life with a new passion and vigor and strength, saying, look what God can do. The preamble to this movement at Asbury was, was the preamble to it was years of prayer, years of dedication. And he's calling... Um, us to such dedication. Kevin Brown has said, when a fire starts, he's the president of Asbury, it's bright and high. But a fire is at its hottest after it burns down and it's just embers. The heat 
and the hot work, the purifying work of the Holy Spirit will happen in its churches for the sake of the world. But what might that look like and how does that happen? Well, I believe Romans chapter 11, the very end, starting with and then tumbling into verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12 gives us a direction. Simply what comes next? What comes next? Let me explain. You can see that the very end of chapter 11, it says doxology. Doxology. That means Paul the Apostle has broken out in spontaneous worship, unplanned. It just, he was overwhelmed by the grace of God and he breaks out in worship. He breaks out in worship because Romans, as we will see in upcoming weeks, is, some, is, is filled with some of the most um, overwhelming doctrinal truths of the Christian faith. How we've all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but are justified by faith in Christ Jesus. Justified means not guilty. We're justified. And then he says in chapter five, and we'll see this in weeks to come, because we are justified, declares not guilty, we have peace with God. And if that weren't enough, he says, since we have peace with God, he's poured out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit that he shows us in chapter eight gives us victory over sin as we don't walk according to the flesh, but now we walk according to the Spirit. And he talks about personal salvation. And then he moves to broad where he talks about God's hand, not just on individuals, but all of the nations, how Jew and Gentile come together in Christ as one new humanity. And Paul is so overwhelmed by these great truths of God's hand in salvation, redemption, and promised glorification that at the very end of chapter 11, he breaks out in worship, spontaneous worship to God. He says, oh, the depths and the riches of God, wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that we should repay him? All of this blessing, God is not saying, you need to repay me. We can't repay God. He does not want us to live in a debtor's ethic. In verse 36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever glorify God with all of this. It's from him and give it back to him. Well, the question is how? How? Verses one and two. Let me walk you through these. Therefore, because of everything that's just happened, because you've broken out in worship, you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, I urge you, brothers, and real quick, this worship that Paul did, it happens by himself. It happens by himself. It doesn't, he doesn't need to happen in a big group. It simply happens by himself. It can happen alone. You can break out in worship and morning devotions, riding in your car, going for a walk. Where God breaks in, you break out in worship. Secondly, Paul's not a young whippersapper here. It can break out at any time in any life. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. It's one thing if your spouse grants you mercy. It's another thing if your boss grants you mercy, but God has granted us mercy. It's all by mercy. In view of God's mercy, offer. No one does this for you. You must do this. 
present, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Because you have seen the love of God, here's the picture. It's as you're coming to God in worship and you open your hands and you offer him something and it's not a thing. You're offering him you. And you realize you're offering your bodies because wherever your body goes, you go. The totality of your body, your emotions, your affections, your imaginations, your will, your hungers, your drives, you offer it all to him. And as you offer it to him, that which is in your hands, you place it in his nail-pierced hands. And you realize that if there's one who loves me this much, I can trust who I am, the future that I have to him. And you desire it to be holy and pleasing. One where he says that is good. This is your spiritual act of worship. Worship that's not just contained to a place, but is part of the totality of your life. And he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You know that you, you worship this God in a world system that wants to squeeze you into its mold. And the pattern of this world is to live life without, without acknowledging the greatness and the sovereignty of the one who created you and the one you are called to live for. The world doesn't want you to do that. The world wants you to place you at the center Don't conform any longer to that. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then you'll be able to test what is good and pleasing and the perfect will of God. We see that Jesus, when he fought off temptation, he didn't buckle down, but he says, it is written, it is written, it is written. That us going forward, he wants us to get into God's word. He wants us to take God's word into everyday life. And as you take God's word filled by the spirit, then you'll know the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Why is this so important? Well, you remember Adam and Eve in the garden? Before the fall, there was innocence. And everything in front of them was yes, except one no. All of life was yes. That's all they could see is yes, 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 it's all good except that. Yes, yes, yes. And then they ate that. When they ate that, all of a sudden, life became confusing for all of us. We look at circumstances in life and say, there's a million options, what do I do? But as the Spirit works in us, and as we're transformed by the renewing of our minds, there's this sense of that curse begins to lose its grip, and we know the heart of God, the desires of God, And we know his heart towards us is good and we know his ways and his will and it is pleasing and it is perfect. Is it easy? No, it's a living sacrifice. But it is good, pleasing, and perfect. Well, what might this look like? And at the end, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond because this whole movement seems to be an altar movement of brokenness before the Lord. I was down at Hughes, the auditorium, and just 
because wherever God's working, I'm going to be part of it. And, and I always go to the altar. And, um, and I was there, and I was before the Lord. And I was thinking about this passage in my mind. And I was crying out to God, and I was hearing others cry out to God. And I noticed the posture of my heart was one of hunger, desperation, confession, honesty, a desire for purity. And I don't know if it was God, but there's this statement that take this altar heart into your everyday life. That the heart you have right now of reverence, of desperation, of hunger, Take that everywhere because the spirit of God lives in you. And then I imagined my wife beside me. And how would I talk to my wife at this moment if she was right beside me? Take this altered heart into my relationship with her, my kids, that if they were right here, this posture before the Lord of honesty, how would I relate to my kids? And then my phone went off and I said, oh. But then I thought, this altered heart that's attentive to God, how would I deal with the technology in my life? And I saw that at this moment, I wouldn't gossip. I would battle against lust. I wouldn't speak ill of people. This altered heart, I would want to bless them. I'd want God's best for them. And I realized that I can't stay at this, this physical place forever. But God's desire is to take this disposition that I'm having in my heart and take it out to the world and say, God, I want this hunger there and this reverence there and this submission there. And maybe he wants the same for you. Can I tell you that altered moment, I felt fully alive. Fully alive. There's a story in the Old Testament of a man named Naaman. He's a Babylonian general and he's stricken with, strucken, he's stricken with leprosy and he's going to die. And his servant says, go see this guy named Elijah. Maybe he's, he can help you. And Elisha says, go wash in the Jordan. And he's distraught with this because he's above that and but he's got no other choice. And he goes and washes in the Jordan. And when he comes up out of the Jordan, he is cleansed. And it says his skin is like that of a little boy. It's like a picture of being born again. He wants to go to Elisha and wants to repay him. And Elisha says, I will have none of it. We do not live out of this sense of repayment to God. 
So what is the proper response? And he says, give me two mule loads full of dirt from this land. And it says in the text in 2 Kings chapter 5, he says, I desire this dirt so as I go back to my land, he says, your servant will never again make burnt offerings or sacrifice to any other God but the Lord. He says, as I go back to my land filled with pagan, pagan gods, I will take this dirt and place it in the temple and I will bow my knee to the dirt that I'm bringing from there to here, acknowledging that though, though I'm in this te- temple, my knees are touching the dirt of the God of creator of heaven and earth. And this posture of worship that I'm having here acknowledges that my heart is truly worshiping the one true God. I go back to my land. I go back to my people filled with paganism, but my heart is different. I'm worshiping God in that place. And God says, go and worship me. Why? Because here's why. It says at the very verse 18, but may the Lord forgive your servant this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimeon and bows down and is leaning on my arm where I bow there also, would you forgive your servant? Why is Naaman's master leaning on him? Because I believe Naaman's master wants to be part of all of the blessing that Naaman is receiving because he's worshiping the one true God and wants to be getting on the action. Why is that important? You hear things like pushing back the evil and the darkness of the world, fighting against the evil and the darkness of the world. But what if God through altar heart people wanted to make the goodness and the beauty of pursuing God, of thirsting after God, of knowing God, of experiencing God? What if he wanted to make that so beautiful and attractive to the world that the grip and the power and the pursuit of evil just fell away, lost its grip, lost its power, to where the onlooking world said, if this is what God has to offer, why would I ever want that? And there's no battling or forcing. Simply beauty of godliness on display that quietly and gently began to change the world, one heart and one life at a time. May we not be spectators. May we bow in humble reverence and say, the prayer that is the most powerful prayer ever prayed Not my will, but your will be done. So what comes next? Keep God's mercy in view. Keep God's mercies in view. Take the altar heart with you. 
And sometimes to get an altered heart, I had to get an altered body. I had to just posture myself and say, God, do it on me. I do it, I, I do it on the end. I can make the choice to do it on the outside. Only by your spirit can you do it on the inside. And lastly, he wants to do more. There's more God desires us to do. God, more that God desires to do. And I think it's in his churches and it's among his people broadly. And so the question is, will we submit and hear and obey? Thanks for listening. Here at First Alliance Church, our mission is to passionately pursue God, extend life-changing hope, and disciple people to be spirit-empowered followers of Jesus. To learn more about our church or to hear other sermons like this one, visit us at facleX.com.